to the Real World NP Podcast. I'm Liz Rohr, family nurse practitioner, educator, and founder of Real World NP, an educational company for nurse practitioners in primary care. I'm on a mission to equip and guide new nurse practitioners so that they can feel confident, capable, and take the best care of their patients. If you're looking for clinical pearls and practice tips without the fluff, you're in the right place. Make sure you subscribe and leave a review so you won't miss an episode. Plus, you'll find links to all the episodes with extra goodies over at realworldnp.com slash podcast. episode, I'm so pleased to share. I did an interview with a pharmacist named Miriam. She is a wealth of knowledge and just so lovely. She has her own educational Instagram account for all clinicians about medications. And we did an interview similar to the other specialist and multidisciplinary interviews I've done so far, with the primary theme and focus being uh, how can we collaborate better and what we both wish we knew about each other, um, pharmacists and primary care providers and vice versa. So um, we also answered questions from the audience. So definitely stay tuned and uh, listen to or listen or watch our um, episode that we recorded together. I hope you enjoy it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here with me. Um, do you and uh, are, do you want to um, introduce yourself? Tell, tell yes. people a little bit about yourself. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so um, my name is Miriam. I'm a pharmacist working in Vancouver, Canada. Uh, I work in a community independent practice and I specialize in mental health. So we work with a lot of the local mental health teams. Um, because I'm a Canadian pharmacist uh, in this interview, I won't really touch on any insurance questions or discuss country-specific practice requirements, but I just want to share some general uh, advice about pharmacists and about what we do that is applicable across the border. Totally, totally. And um, you also have an Instagram account that I super love. Do you want to tell us about that? Yes, thank you. Uh, so I have an Instagram account, Rx Notes. Uh, it's just an educational platform where I share infographics about medications. It's for uh, use for any healthcare professional. So uh, nurse practitioners can use it, nursing, nursing students, uh, pharmacy students, or even practicing um, professionals can use it just to kind of review medications. Uh, and I like just putting things into a nice, easy to look at graphic. And yeah. They're so beautiful. They're so helpful. Thank you. <laughs> um, what had you start um, your Instagram account? So I started it in school and pharmacy school. Um, and one of the main reasons that I started it was I was creating these note packages or graphics for myself for studying purposes. Uh, I find sometimes the way that material is presented in school is still quite old fashioned. It's just very um, pieces from a textbook or screenshots of the guidelines. And it was very hard to synthesize all that information. So I started making these note packages, which would uh, summarize and make things easy to look at and understand. So I can just look at a, a note package and get a lot of information out of it instead of weeding through the different slides. And that's when it started. So I started in pharmacy school and it just kept going <laughs> since then. That's awesome. That's really awesome. And I know I've shared it um, on Real World NP and people just love it. So thank you thank so you. much for doing that. <laughs> and I just want to recognize you because I know how much work goes into 
holding an Instagram account, creating this. Yeah. It's like a little iceberg of like, you see this much and then there's like all that extra. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, so what is, um, so the theme of, of all the specialist interviews and multidisciplinary interviews that I've done and, and will do, the theme is really connecting specialties and disciplines so that we can all take better care of our patients. So that's the questions that I have for you today. And then we also have questions that are sourced from the audience that we went through together, you and I. So um, why don't we start with what is your favorite part about being a pharmacist? So that's a great question. Um, I enjoy a lot of different parts of being a pharmacist, but I think the best part for me is being a hub for the patient. So I just feel like I'm the center uh, of healthcare professionals for the patient. So I'm the go-to person, uh, either from the patient themselves or from other healthcare providers. Um, so I feel like I'm collecting information from different sources. I'm collecting the prescriptions from a patient specialist along with their GP or NP. And um, I have more of a general overview of of the patient in that way. Sometimes, uh, especially patients that see different specialists, those specialists are only focused on what they're prescribing and what they're looking after for the patient. And I just feel like I kind of centralize that. Um, and just being very accessible to both the patient and to their healthcare providers. So we have you know, the patient call us saying, uh, asking questions about multiple different medications and um, we have specialists calling, asking about what the GP is doing or vice versa. And it just having all that information and being a hub for the patient, um, it's very nice. Totally. And you know, like, I love that point. I love that, that, that conception and that description of your role, because um, I think that's one of the things that I realize more and more, because I've been an NP for about six years, and I think I had no idea what all the other disciplines did. And mm -hmm. I recently did an interview with a physical therapist, my own personal one that I worked with because of an injury. And it's just like this whole different world of like hidden gems. Like I feel like pharmacists are really hidden gems in, in our healthcare field. And I would like, I just love hearing about everything you have to share, of course, but <laughs> that point because it's, it's like, like when we talk about the frustrations that some of us have with the continuity of care and with uh, like specialists and prior, like I, I noticed that a lot where I just like think of so many patients where it's like I've prescribed a medication and then they see their cardiologist and then there's two different sets of meds and it's like, well, what yeah. are they taking, right? And so you're like, you're the front lines for that. That's just so, so beautiful. Um, yeah, that's exactly an example of, of what happens, what we've seen, uh, you know, cardiologist prescribes like a different dose and then the MP is prescribing a different dose and we have to explain like you guys yeah. uh, might want to <laughs> communicate on that. Uh, usually uh, it's just a, a lack of documentation. So yeah. sometimes uh, the cardiologist makes a change and that's not really in the documents. Um, so when the patient's general practitioner or NP or whoever's renewing the medications, they're just going based off of old information. So we're just like, hey, you know, the cardiologist actually updated this. And usually they're very grateful for, for letting us them know. Definitely. I always am. And I think that's like, especially as a newer nurse practitioner, I worked in, um, and maybe, and I don't know how it works in Canada, but um, in the US, there are three, four, 340B pharmacies 
that are specialty, sorry, they're community outpatient pharmacies that have government grant funding so that we can supply medications at a lower price for patients. And they are usually affiliated with that health center. So I don't know if that's the, maybe not the 340B component, but the fact that you're in a community setting. I just think like if, if any nurse practitioners watching this or, or, or primary care providers rather watching this, like can really remember that they, especially if you're tied to a specific community health center, like what a phenomenal resource that pharmacist is. Even if it's not, even if it's like a local CVS or other drugstore that people are using, patients usually like to use the same one, right? And you yeah. still develop relationships with those people, um, even if you're not directly affiliated with them. Like I, I think like as a new grad, like I got very aware of the different specialists and pharmacists and all that stuff. All the pharma, the hot pharmacies people like to use, you know. So you can exactly. develop those relationships over time, and you know, like you said, like that's your favorite part is being that healthcare provider. So it's great to reach out. I think sometimes new grads, especially, are hesitant to reach out to other providers. Um, but I want to segue into the kind of theme of this, which um, is connection between our specialties, but also like what what do you wish? One of the things that I love learning about is like what. Uh, other providers wish we knew as primary care providers. And again, maybe this is different in the US versus Canada, but like, mm -hmm. if you could generally answer, what would you say um, is something you, or some things, and this might segue into the questions that people submitted, what are some things you wish primary care providers knew or some of the pet peeves you have? Sure. Um, so I think that one of the biggest myths or misconceptions is the role of a pharmacist uh, just being behind the counter. Maybe they have an image of counting pills. Um, even in some TV shows, uh, when people go to the pharmacy, that's what the pharmacist is doing. Even today, that's still the image of pharmacists. And it's just not accurate at all <laughs> anymore. Um, so pharmacists actually don't usually do the technical skills of counting, of filling, of compounding. So we have pharmacy technicians or assistants to help with that. Um, and so pharmacists have used more of their clinical knowledge to check the therapeutics of the prescription. And so um, that's one of the things that we wish that primary care providers understood was that we're clinical uh, practitioner, just like they are. So um, we're not just filling medications or sticking labels on anything. Um, and, and that pharmacists have expert drug knowledge. We're just working with medications all the time. Um, and so uh, either we have that information on the top of our heads, or if we don't know something, we know where to easily get accurate drug information from or where to look into something further. So uh, pharmacists are a great resource to use for that. So either you call them and they know the answer right away, or they're able to look into it and get back to you. Absolutely. And yeah, just that we're available to talk about um, anything medication related, whether it's drug interactions, adverse effects, uh, even the efficacy, which, which medication is best for a condition. Um, that's what we learn in school and that's what we practice. Uh, when we're checking prescriptions in practice. So that's, that's the main role of a pharmacist. Yeah. And I think that's like, that's <laughs> like so unfortunate about, I think healthcare in general, there's so many like media portrayals that are just mm -hmm. giving everybody a lot of injustice, you know? Yeah. So, um, I appreciate you saying that. And I think just to share from personal experience, and I have a follow-up question actually, but personal experience, like I've, I've talked with pharmacists about like, 
challenges with antibiotic choice, right? And mm-hmm. allergies and drug interactions and anticoagulation management and choices and stuff like that. So um, I've had a lot of um, great experiences working collaboratively, but I, I guess like, is there a way that is um, optimal to reach out to pharmacists? Like, what would you prefer? What would be like the best case scenario of like developing a relationship if they weren't, whether or not they were tied to a specific clinic, the pharmacist and the clinician? Sure. I think that um, unfortunately there's barriers in the pharmacy world as well about creating these um, relationships. And that's mostly that you're probably, um, this is generalization, but you're probably not going to be able to have such a solid relationship, like a back and forth uh, with pharmacists working in large, busy corporate pharmacies, just because they're just so busy. Um, they have so much, so many roles and responsibilities in their pharmacy that they don't really have the time or ability to uh, branch out or reach out other than what's necessary. So if, you know, like if a, a medication error on the prescription comes up, they're obviously going to reach out uh, and get that sorted. But beyond that, those pharmacists might not be the best um, because of the time limitations they have. Um, but other than that, I think that you can create good relationships with more of the uh, smaller pharmacies, independent pharmacies. Um, that's at least what I've experienced here in Canada. So uh, the independent pharmacies, usually you're able to have direct lines with a pharmacist. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, some of the ways that you can start creating a relationship is just maybe by adding little notes on your prescriptions. So uh, yeah, so I've seen, um, and I've really liked this. I learned this from actually some NPs that I work with here. Um, They kind of write just when they sent in a new Ramapril dose, for example, and it's now Ramapril 10, and they just put like an arrow increased dose. And now I know that it was purposely increased and I don't have to phone or call or fax back saying, oh, why is there a dose change? Um, even just, yeah, even just, uh, saying, um, prior authorization completed or submitted. Now I don't have to follow up. I know it's done and just waiting for that. Mm -hmm. So that's been really nice. That's something I learned from the MPs I've worked with here. And I think that's a good way to start. That's awesome. That's really awesome. And actually, um, that's like one of the things that when I was in school, um, the person I trained with, with pediatric medication specifically, I would write a note being saying their weight in kilograms and like for amoxicillin, for example, like 90 milligrams per kilogram. Yeah. Like this, this is like, like in the notes to the pharmacist was like, whatever kilograms, I'm not good with those off the top of my head, <laughs> whatever kilograms they were. And then in parentheses, it would be like 90 mix per kg per day or whatever. And then I'd send that off and then I'd be like, fingers crossed, this is helpful. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely, that definitely would be helpful. Um, like, like we've had choices. I always get nervous with med dosing. So I'd always like put that in of like, please call me if it's wrong. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good practice, especially for, you know, little kids at dose error can be very bad. So if, um, if we get a prescription that doesn't have the kilograms, we're usually calling the parents saying, how much does your child weigh? (laughs) Like, we just need to double check the dose. Um, it's funny story. Like I remember calling a dad and they're like, I don't know at all. I have to contact the mom. (laughs) Totally. Totally. I mean, that definitely happens, especially as they get a little bit older and like their last time they were weighed was at their physical a year ago. And it's like, okay. Yeah. I don't know how much they would know, but <laughs> something around there. It's not over this. Yeah. 
Um, but I guess like leading into that, um, I feel like this kind of ties into one of the questions um, that were that was submitted. And, and that question is, what are the most common medication errors and that you see in primary care? And obviously it's probably location dependent, but I imagine even internationally, we all practice similar medicine, right? And so what do you feel like some are the most common medication errors and any strategies that you recommend to help with those? Sure. I think one of the most common medication errors, we kind of mentioned actually how there's discrepancy in some of the medications. Um, usually this happens as we discussed when someone sees a different um, provider and a different prescription comes in and the primary care provider doesn't have that updated information. So usually updated uh, doses after medication change or if medications have been um, added or actually being omitted. So sometimes uh, I've seen uh, patients go into a hospital, maybe they had extreme hypoglycemia. So a bunch of their diabetes medications were actually stopped. And then when they come back in community, um, the primary care provider didn't get that update and they re-prescribe. Yeah. So and um, that's something that we always follow up. We say, you know, in hospital, this was actually discontinued because of hypoglycemia. Do you want to continue? Usually it's because they didn't know that. I would say to help mitigate that, um, try to keep getting updated um, medication lists from the patient. Maybe if they use the same pharmacy, it would be even easier. Just ask the pharmacy to send the up most recent updated list um, and also updating the uh, your electronic Mars. I find that sometimes providers just click print and the same error is stuck for prescription after prescription after prescription. And I've had to write a nice note to someone <laughs> saying, please update please this. Don't. Yeah, I'm just like, please update your electronic Mars because this is the third, something like that. And it works. So they, yeah, they ended up updating. Yeah, I was gonna say that that is like a pet peeve of mine. And I understand it's really hard when you have 15 minute visits and they're going really yeah. fast. But if your med list is like, and again, if you're listening to the podcast, I have like my hands wide apart, a really long <laughs> list of meds. And if you have hydroxazine or hydroxazine and hydralazine, those are med name. That's another one that comes to mind of med errors. Um, but like, if you have multiple doses of metoprolol all on the same list, like that is just such high risk for error. Um, and not many people do that, but that's like, uh, it is a priority because medication errors are are significant in terms of like actual harm to people. So yeah, I would just try to up that tip of like sending it from like asking the pharmacy to send it to the hospital because like that's another frustration just in healthcare in general is that the EHRs or MIRs don't always match up between health center and hospital mm -hmm. and pharmacy and stuff. But that's a great idea. Yeah, just trying to keep your um, notes of the, what the patient is on just as clean as possible. So like, as you were saying, different doses, like just delete the old dose, just yeah. try to have the most current medication list so that would help reduce errors. Yeah. Um, and another thing you were mentioning, like hydroxyzine versus hydralazine, usually when prescriptions are printed or sent directly to the pharmacy, uh, those it's typed out. So those errors don't happen, mm -hmm. but for another um common error or something that we have to follow up on is illegible handwriting. So for handwritten prescriptions, um, I know it's like always a joke, you know, pharmacists have to read these messy handwritings, but it's actually very, very inconvenient and it can be significantly dangerous. So sometimes I'm looking and 
I send it, like we have uh, four pharmacists working and we're just passing this prescription and like, what is this? And um, we just like have to turn on our detective mode and ask, you know, the patient, oh, you know, what, what was going on? Like if it's an infection, we're like, okay, now we can narrow it down to some sort of antibiotic. So we usually figure it out, but it can be dangerous. Like if it's something uh, general, the patient doesn't have information and you make the wrong guess of what that messy handwriting is. So I think that just at least having the drug name in some sort of legible handwriting would help. Definitely. I mean, I understand, like you said, everyone's rushed. So you're scribbling at the end of the 15 minute um, appointment, you know, getting ready for the next patient, but just at least having the main drag name legible would be very helpful. Absolutely. And I think that like speaks to again, and it's really hard. I mean, we're only individuals working in a system that doesn't always support us. Mm -hmm. All of us are. Um, And so one thing I certainly endeavor to do, and I'm not hundred percent, I'm not perfect. um, (laughs) I I try to make sure that my patients have a med list that Mm -hmm. they like, you know, whether it's your um, end of visit summary, depending on the practice of the primary care clinic, or um, something like, like some sort of written list, especially if they have multiple chronic medications. Like I really try to make sure that that is a practice that they start not because not every patient carries one. Some patients carry one in their wallet and at least they can, even if they don't understand their meds or know their meds, they have a list. Mm -hmm. I think that's hopefully one practice we can all try to work better on, right. In terms of this issue. um, Yeah. Um, But yeah, I want to, I want to pop over to some more of the um, uh, questions from the audience. Sure. Uh, um, oh, actually, that's that speaks to another um, uh, question here. So um, this is from an NP student and um, saying that, I guess I can read the question is, I often renew medications under my preceptor guidance and there are multiple med interaction alerts that pop up. Um, we typically accept and set, accept them and send the scripts in, but she, this person is worried about when they're practicing on their own, how they suggest a primary care nurse practitioner effective or PA, this is applicable to any primary care clinician, efficiently manages these warnings in a timely way. What are your thoughts about those pop-ups in the EHR? I love uh, them at the same time. Yeah, it's a good question. So we also have, um, in the system that we use, we also have those pop-ups. I find that um, it's, like you said, a love love and hate relationship, because sometimes if they're popping up for silly things, you kind of get alert fatigue, which can just be as dangerous as not having any alerts. So alert fatigue is basically when there's so many alerts for every little thing that you just tend to ignore all of them. You're just like blindly clicking through. So I'm not sure how the systems are set up, but ideally to have the alerts for um, like a certain level of interactions and above. So if there's a gradient scale, like minor, medium, major, I would set it for medium, major, for example, Mm. Uh, especially the major, if there could be like a double alert. Mm. Um, For us, we have, it's a color. So the red alerts are the ones that we really look at. So that's one thing. And another is just to have kind of a general understanding of the interactions. Um, So it kind of makes you quickly understand, do I need to monitor or do I need to change the therapy? So um, this is, uh, especially since it's coming from a student MP, so this is something that they can do while studying, (laughs) while studying. Um, For example, if an interaction for a benzo, an antipsychotic 
comes up, you can have an understanding that they're both uh, working in the CNS. So the interaction is probably something to do with mm-hmm. they're both um, increasing the side effects of each other mm-hmm. uh, versus like clarithromycin plus an agent with QT prolongation. Like now you know that this is the QT prolonging and I probably need to switch. So most most of the times, if it's just two of the similar um, medications that substantiate side effects of each other. It's just the monitoring issue um, versus some of the other more serious drug interactions, which maybe you can, like as you're studying, you can make a list of those that you really study and understand. Totally. And I, that's such a great point because it's like, I, I also know, I, I, I actually, as much as I hate those pop-ups, I learned a lot because mm-hmm. I got, especially when I was on the job, so that I can like actually rattle off a couple of them because I see them all the time, right? So like for as an example of what you said, like QTC prolongation, like you start to notice, okay, that's definitely one of the ones that's going to pop up or like statins and fibrates like might interact, like increased risk of um, rhabdomyolysis or something, right? Like every single time you try to order it, it's going to do that, right? And so it's like through those alerts, I've learned, um, you know, Bactrim and Lysinopril, I'm pretty sure it has hyperkalemia. I don't know, but I just like, I felt like all these things that I, anyway, on the job, like you, when you're studying and when you're on the job, it's, it is something that you just embody or like, oh, okay, I'm going to watch out for this general thing. Cause they order it all the time. But, um, <laughs> so that's really, that's really helpful. Um, are there any tips that you have speaking of studying? Um, this is a submitted question, tips for memorizing <laughs> drugs or drug classes. Yeah. So I think that um, firstly, I just wanted to kind of suggests that the goal is not to memorize all the drugs. It's more to become familiar with them and understand when you need to prescribe them um, because that's more of the role is when to prescribe is basically when you're going to be dealing with medications. Um, But in terms of studying, I would say to group common drugs together. So uh, for example, if you put all the ACE inhibitors together, you notice they end with so, you know, they're ACE inhibitors mm-hmm. uh, and beta blockers, you know, they all end with OLAL um, and grouping medications together can help and learning medications um, within uh, the system that they are, that they work in. So learning gastro medications together, uh, for example, that can help. Um, but again, it's the goal is not necessarily to memorize because you can list from your head a bunch of medications that does, it's not going to help you in practice. Totally. And I so appreciate you saying that because one of the posts I made on Instagram recently was about the practice of medicine is like you learn, forget, relearn and repeat it. You know, it's just like, it's like, yeah, it's not exactly what it was, but something along those lines of like, we just, you forget things and then you relearn them and you uh-huh. hold on to those essential pieces of like, okay, what is going to really hurt somebody? Right. And then it's like, <laughs> what is applicable to practice? What are the general, like, what are the general like holds I have in this understanding of this medication or this class? And then where do I go from there? But that's just, it's, I think there's a misconception, especially among newer clinicians and students that we have to know it all right away and we're never going to forget it. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. (laughs) And I think things have become easier with, with information at the tips of our fingerprints. So there's even apps, um, from like up to date or other um, other apps on your phone or on your computer that you can look at even with the patients in the room. Um, so it's never about memorizing. You have the ability to take a pause and to look into something. Um, yeah. 
even without compromising how you look in terms of knowledge to a patient, you can just, you know, explain that, you know, you want to double check that this is the right uh, medication for them. Um, and it's just the way you phrase things. So saying instead, especially for new grads, it might seem intimidating. Uh, you don't want to say, oh, you know, I don't know. Actually, I have to look into it. It's just rephrasing that to saying, I just want to make sure um, that this is the best medication for you. So I'm going to uh, just look into the medication a bit more for just a minute. Absolutely. And I love that line. Like that's one of the hacks that I use and I used before as a new grad and I still use it now. It's just like mm -hmm. the go-to way to easily say that, right? It's like, I just want yeah. to the best one for you. And how good does that feel as a patient? Like, oh, they're really thinking about my well-being and what's best for me. Like that feels so different than like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So last question I have from the audience, how can, this is from a nurse practitioner practicing, I believe. So how can I learn to be comfortable prescribing medications? I love this question. Um, the, the rest of the question says, they're all new to me. So like, generally speaking, which ones should I avoid? Psychiatric drugs, neurodrugs for like Parkinson's, controlled substances, et cetera. And like, just before you answer, I just want to normalize for someone who's watching or listening that like my first prescription was for um, ibuprofen. And it was terrifying. So this is all terrifying, even for over-the-counter medications. So, what would you what would you say to that person? Uh, it's, I understand where this uh, practitioner is coming from. Um, being on your own, it's definitely scary. Uh, like for me, I was checking a lot of prescriptions um, under the supervision of my pharmacy manager before I got licensed and everything was fine because there's someone to double check. Yeah. And the first prescription that I checked on my own was for amoxicillin and it was terrifying even though I could do this in first year. Um, but I understand because it becomes your responsibility and it has real world effects. You know, you're, you're doing something to a patient and what you do can affect them. Yeah. Uh, hopefully positively, that's the goal, but you know, making errors is definitely scary. Um, I would say to be comfortable prescribing medications um, would be to kind of read the guidelines, especially for the major diseases. So they usually have easy to follow algorithms for uh, diabetes, hypertension, cardiovascular, asthma, COPD. So it's usually quite simple to follow those. Um, the guidelines are based on best available evidence. Um, so I would suggest starting there first. Um, there's other resources like UpToDate or some other uh, whatever therapeutic uh, website that you like to go to. Um, they have lots of information about what they think is the best medications. Um, so I would go there and understand those. Um, also just understanding and being okay with realizing that you might need to go outside the book. So you might actually need to not follow the guidelines for specific patients and you have to be okay with that. I think that's what a lot of new grads or students struggle with um, because you go through so much school where there's a right answer and a wrong answer. But in reality, there's not. You have to go outside of the book. So for example, a guideline might say, okay, first step is to start this medication. And you know that this patient is going to experience side effects from this medication or there's a drug interaction or something. So you, that's off the table. And now you're going into like more of an unknown land and you have to be... Uh, I, I, uh, you have to be okay with that. And then it's kind of just stepping back and believing in yourself. Um, and following up with that is that you have 
other resources. You can look at um, other guidelines. You can look at other information, but also you have other healthcare professionals that you can go to, like pharmacists. I was going to so, say, like, that's like, yeah. if I'm going off guidelines. So like, for example, the other day, I was talking with a mentee actually, and there was a person who had a multi-drug resistant um, urinary tract infection. Mm -hmm. So the medication options were like one, two, three, four. And I think there were some allergies too. And I was like, I'm just gonna call a pharmacist. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not really sure. And then I think that person had to end up getting IV treatment in the ER. Oh, yeah. But like, that's, that's like, whoop, here we go. Exactly. Yeah. So Perfect opportunity to talk for to sure, like you can just ask your local pharmacist and this goes back to creating relationships and establishing that interprofessional collaboration. So if you have a fam uh, favorite pharmacy or pharmacist to go to, that could really help you when you're going off book, especially um, also, you know, just keep learning um, through continuing education and newsletters because there's always updates, there's new medications, there are changes to guidelines. Um, and if you're following Liz, you're already on the right step because <laughs> she has great resources. Yeah. So um, in terms of the second part of the uh, question about drugs to avoid, I would say that it's hard to avoid prescribing certain drugs like ever. You're not going to say no to everyone because some patients need it. Um, but just if you're worried about the effects of those medications, then kind of establish uh, and understand when you are going to prescribe them to which patients and explain to the patients when they do or do not need it. So for example, a lot of um, new clinicians especially are uh, wary about starting insomnia medications, whether it's like a benzo or other insomnia medication, because they're worried about um, them being dependent on it. So I think a good practice is to actually establish a conversation that I, this is a short-term prescription. I'm not going to keep renewing it because we're going to find a better solution. Um, and I think that could help um, uh, set expectations with the patient um, without them thinking that they're just going to be on a benzo or like ambient for the rest of their life. Um, so setting those expectations can also help. Um, and again, if you're nervous, just call a pharmacist uh, or, or talk to someone to, to kind of go through what you're worried about. Totally, totally. I love that. Um, and I guess I wanted to throw in one other. Um, so I am obsessed with UpToDate as a resource. Um, again, I'm not affiliated with them. I just love them. <laughs> Um, but then the other resource, and I don't know if you use this, this might be a US one, but it's called prescriber's letter. There's also pharmacist letter, I guess, which mm -hmm. is more specific to pharmacists, but um, it's a week, it's a monthly newsletter that's like very quick updates about medications. And they also have educational resources again, because you're also clinicians, right? Like you're, yeah. you're not pill counters. So there's a lot of education and um, that's a publication that I super love. Um, that's really helpful. Um, yeah, just subscribing to those and getting those updates in your email. Sometimes I just even learn things from the headlines or from just like the snapshot that you get in your alert section. Yeah. Uh, just like, okay, yeah. so there's something new. I'm going to look into this, right? Like Exactly. Oh, you know, um, but thank you so much. This is so wonderful. I'm so grateful to have you on the channel and on the podcast. And I, um, I know that people are going to get a lot of benefit from this. So thank you. I'm so happy to have been here. <laughs> yeah. So where can um, people find out more from you, um, resources you have, things like that? 
Yeah, so as we talked about in the beginning, so I have a RxNotes Instagram. I'm also RxNotes on Facebook and Twitter. Um, you can visit rxnotes.ca for the resources that I have, the pharmacy notes. Um, and if you want to chat, you can just send me a DM on Instagram. I think that would be the best and easiest. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so very much. Thank you for having me. That's our episode for today. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and tell all your NP friends so together we can help as many nurse practitioners as possible give the best care to their patients. If you haven't gotten your copy of the ultimate resource guide for the new NP, head over to realworldnp.com slash guide. You'll get these episodes sent straight to your inbox every week with notes from me, patient stories, and extra bonuses I really just don't share anywhere else. Thank you so much again for listening. Take care and talk soon.